Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 102 of the show. This is the second take because Discord took a fucking shit on us the first time. Uh, I know. And it's just awful, but we're back. We're here now. Uh, mm-hmm. My name is Evan. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. What's going on with you? I know you already said it, but you're going to have to say it again. Yeah, I was do- it was doing well five minutes ago, and now it's a little bit uh, backtracking on that statement in my head. But yeah, I mean, um, high school season's over. They The boys fell out in the first round, lost in penalties. It was a 4-4 after regulation, and you can never win a game if you give up four goals. I mean, it's just um, just mistake after mistake, and you're just begging to get punished. So that's how their season ended, but the majority of the boys are going to come back next year. We have a good core group coming, so they should do well um, in the upcoming months. And then my younger boys, we have a game left, um, and then we'll be concluded for the fall. So we're just taking it day by day with them, and um, I just tell them you need to improve every single day. I said you can't just come to practice and expect to get better like that. You have to spend time on your own pass with a brother sister parent or even just against the wall uh you got to do something and i told him it's not just in soccer i said you gotta in anything in life whether it's a sport or a skill or something um, you have to put time and effort into it and really try so um that's where we are on that but when it comes to the premier league it was a really weird week um a lot of unders um a lot of teams underperformed some teams played to how we thought they played this year how they um how we see them this year for who they really are but overall it was a pretty decent week but um i listened last thing I'll, i listened to your re- most recent uh episode of the nfl show and i already told you in the pre-show but um yeah it sounded like you were pretty down bad overall from the weekend in all sports i mean it was quite simply the worst thing i've ever seen uh in current history i told that to jeremy and i think jeremy pretty much agreed this was the week that las vegas needed to win all their money back yeah um and we all know that they have a large effect on the outcomes of games um and i said i didn't want to say that things were rigged but what I saw Monday night was a made a compelling case um, that maybe some of these things are a little suspect. Um, I don't necessarily think it's as much of a problem in the sport that we're about to talk about now. But even in Syria a couple of years ago, um, Juve got sent all the way down for match fixing. So you never yep. know. You know it, it can happen, and it's it's a really dark, seedy world. Uh, and I hate betting, but I do it anyway. Yeah, just for something to do, get the mind, get the mind going on the weekends. Yeah, it is a good ex. It's it's a good. It makes you think, right? It makes you really consider all these different parts of the games. And betting on the Premier League is the hardest fucking thing to do in the world. I mean, it is it is impossible. It's a it's a gut thing more than anything. Um, there was a couple of games here where my gut led me right, but for the most part, they, they it led me wrong. Let me just say before we start, overall, um, before we get into this first game, I think you went, uh, well, we both had another bad week. You went three and seven again, and I came out with four and six, which isn't too bad. So overall record right now at the quarter mark of the season, Evan is 51 and 59, uh, and I'm right behind him 50 and 60. So pretty reasonable. We were looking in decent shape a couple weeks ago, back-to-back winning records, and now it's flip of the coin, losing weeks. So uh, it's pretty tough to see. Um, and then after we do this week's preview, uh, or review, I should say, um, we were going to 
get into like a progress report kind of thing. We're going to go team by team, rank them how we think they've done so far with what they have and go off that. And then uh, maybe talk a little bit about the international break before we close. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you want to get into the first game? Absolutely. Southampton won. Aston Villa, nil. Adam Armstrong scored in the third minute to elevate Southampton over an Aston Villa side who are just absolutely struggling. The key takeaway from this game was that Dean Smith is out. Uh, He was sacked after this game, taking his coaching staff with him. And from what I heard today, he's coming back. Steven Gerrard will be the new manager of Aston Villa Football Club, which absolutely blows my mind. I cannot believe DBG's leaving Rangers, and he's going to be here back in the Prem coaching a team like Villa. They're saying that perhaps this is his first step and that next he will be the manager of Liverpool when Klopp decides to leave. And I'm I'm sure if Stevie G... I think it all depends on how well he does with Aston Villa. It here. does, it does. And this is the stepping stone, right? Um, this is the test to see if he can elevate the way that these younger players are playing. And then, you know, when Klopp leaves, because he will leave eventually. I mean, we're probably less than five or six years out from Klopp leaving, if I had to guess. Because um, that's just... Managers don't last that long anymore. It just doesn't happen, even if they're good. Uh, that would be the next step, I think. And I think a lot of us, especially me, are looking forward a little bit. But it could be a very, very interesting um, thing to see. And this project with Villa is going to be really interesting. I mean, Villa have plenty of talent. Uh, they lined up here with Ali Watkins up top. Mondia, Ogazi, Leon Bailey behind him. That's a compelling front four player, attacking players. Um and I just think that Gerard's coming in here and he's it's not like he's got a blank slate, right? He has he has some things that have been set up by managers past and uh it's not like the club is in dire straits. I think that he should be able to do relatively well and at least push these guys up to mid table or towards the, the upper half, uh, if he's as good as they say he is. But yeah, a good result for Southampton. Um not necessarily a ton to say. Hassan Huddle, he, he's sticking around. We saw a lot of sackings this week, but um, yep. Big Ralph seems like he's there to stay. And uh, a really good win for Southampton, who I didn't think would win this one. Yeah, all th- that was our third win of the season, but uh, all three coming in the last four weeks. That other being a draw, they're in great form right now. All those wins were one nothing wins, um, and they dominated in this game. I saw it. Um, I actually watched it. I wasn't working. So I watched the whole first half and Southampton absolutely dominated the ball and they got their early goal in the third minute, which was great morale booster for them. And just Aston Villa was just on the back foot the whole time and they couldn't string anything together and it really showed. And no Danny Ings now with a little bit of an injury and Wendy is playing like dog shit. Yep. Uh, Bailey's not a guy. Um, that can string a couple weeks together. It seems like he's still getting acclimated to the league, maybe. Um, and their midfield's looking a little shaky. They have Marvelous in the middle there with McGinn, not so Marvelous. Um, they're missing Douglas Louise. They're missing a lot of key guys in there, and they're just tr- really trying to find their identity, I feel like. And I think um, Konza, Konza, after that red card in the previous week, not being there is a huge loss um, because they had to revert from their usual 3-5-2 to a back four now. Uh, with Twanzebe, and I really like I've said week in week out, you don't I can't trust him. Um, he picked up a yellow card here, and just he's not that he's not a strong center back in my eyes. Um, to start for a Premier League team, so 
just really poor from them. They've lost six straight games, so this is probably the worst situation Gerard can come into. Um, they're sitting 16th in a relegation battle, um, and he's leaving a great situation with Rangers where they're in first place in the Scottish League. Um, it's looking like they may make it through the Europa League stage, depending on how these last two games go for them. And then um, I looked at last season, they went undefeated in the Scottish Premier League, and they won the title. So um, he has done well. He's not like a flop or anything like we've seen in the past with other managers. Like He's got the job done and won some serious silverware uh, because competing with Celtics, a very strong team over there, uh, and getting the better of them is nice to see. But um, obviously, like Evan said, anything can happen in the Premier League. It's very um, unpredictable. you got to go with your gut. And um, I think we'll have to wait until January uh, to really give him a good good idea of what he's going to do because he's going to bring in some guys. He's definitely going to look at maybe one or two players from Rangers. I mean, you have to think. Um, maybe he has some, knows some hidden gems. Um, in the Liverpool Youth Academy from his time there. Maybe he'll try to lure some people over from there. Um, you never know. you got to find out where these guys have their links. But um, Southampton, great job for them. Um, they're climbing up the ladder, uh, sitting 13th while Aston Villa is struggling. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, okay, we had... The Manchester Derby. Oh, yes, we did. Um, the Blues take this one. They win a 2-0 after an absolutely shambolic defensive display from the Red Devils. A piss-poor performance from Manchester They were City. lucky it was only two. It should have been way more than two. Um, City were absolutely banding shots on target. Here are 16 shots, five on target. Held 68% um, 68% of the possession and just passed circles all around Manchester United. There was not a second where I thought... Um, there was one chance, but I mean, there was just never a chance where I thought United were, were going to come out of this game unscathed and they didn't, you know, they didn't even get a share of the points. This was just awful. Uh, this game was at Old Trafford as well. So to let City come in who, you know, of course are in better form, but to let them batter you in this way, is just not a good look. And it's extremely disappointing to see United performing this way, but I don't see things changing. Of course, we have Novaron. We're having Bailly, Lindelof, and Maguire back there. And if you combined all three of them, I don't think they make one coherent, uh, well-performing defender at this point. Uh, these guys just can't get it figured out. And this was just target practice for De Gea, or, or really goalie practice, because he had so many saves to make. He looked good, but his defense let him down so, so much. It's really, I mean, United are in dire straits, and, and they're at this point, they've fallen below Arsenal on the table. I mean, I mean, what are we, what are we talking about here? The United fans I know, you know, they just, they battered me for the first three weeks of the season, and then look, look now. Who's laughing now? Look I know. That. It's just crazy. And of course, Arsenal are in unprecedented form uh, under Mikel's uh, tenure. So we'll get to that later. But like I said, United are just not performing. Uh, they cannot seem to get anything done whatsoever. They look piss poor all over the park. Can't get it done on the offensive end. The midfield is in shambles and defense is the worst of all. What do you think? I mean, it's worse when you have more shots on your own goal than you do the others. It is. They had two. They had two shots on their own goal. One of them going in, and then they only had one shot in the first half on Ederson, which was a decent chance uh, for Ronaldo, obviously. But um, when it comes to the lineup, you're in that three-five-two. Novaran, who 
you do significantly better with him in that lineup than obviously Bai, who comes in this game cold. Um, as well as you're playing Bruno in that middle three where he has more defensive duties. He's not a guy that plays defense. He's get the ball and go forward. He's not a guy that's going to hold back. And it showed where when he had to press guys, he didn't. He was slow to it. And that just goes into City's favor. Um, as well as the wingbacks, Shaw and Wambasaka. First 20, 25 minutes, they were playing like a flat back five. It wasn't like wingbacks. It was like a straight back five. Um, later on, they started pushing up higher and getting getting some more chances and possession on the ball, which would looks nice. Um, obviously, Ronaldo looked absolutely pissed off the whole time. It looked like uh, the last, oh, what was it, the um, Liverpool game. He looked just the same way. He was so pissed off because they weren't getting the ball to him. They weren't even getting it out of their half most of the time. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, De Gea looked phenomenal in, those, in this game with all of his saves. Um, great job. Um, but I mean, Man City was just another like practice game for him. They just got a jo- got the job done. I mean, you got a guy with Jack Grealish on your bench. You paid a hundred mil for him, and he's coming off your bench. I mean, that just shows the quality they have. And um, back line for them didn't have to do much. I mean, it was pretty conventional win for them. You didn't need anything crazy to do um, for Diaz or whatever. There was a couple chances. Maguire had an early chance off a free kick, got away. But I mean. It's just not a not a big sample size to really say anything bad about City in this game. But um yeah, in the table, they jumped to second now, right behind Chelsea, where like you said, man, United drop out of the top four and uh dropped to six below Arsenal. So um they're really gonna have to figure things out here. Ollie's got maybe a week or two left. Um a lot of people thought he was gonna get the sack like the other two managers did um for the beginning of this international break. Um, but most of the bit, the execs are staying firm with him. So, um, I don't know if it's just because they have faith in him or maybe it's because they don't, they don't see a good replacement for him. You know what I mean? Well, what do you think? I mean, they're not going to get a replacement at this point. <clears throat> the only, I mean, you lost Conte to Tottenham. I he, mean, if the, if the, if the result went the opposite way, you could see, you could think Conte would be sitting in United right now. Yeah, and he should be, to be honest. I mean, I think he had way more to work with at United, but United weren't so ready to let go of Ale yet. This comes down to the board, ultimately, and they don't have other options at this point. You're He's not... been there three years now. He's been there three years. Yeah, and he hasn't done fucking shit. He hasn't done anything. Well, they won the Europa League, didn't they? That's the only major silverware they've won in the last three years. Yeah, so, you know, that's... That's just not enough. For Manchester United, one of the biggest clubs in the world, it's not enough. And they now have a team, when fully healthy, that is, I mean, I don't want to say it's the best in the world, but it's probably a top five or top ten lineup, right? It has to be. Um, there's no excuse. Sure it is. Yeah, on paper. That's what I mean. Yeah, of course. Um, there's no excuse for a result like this. There's no excuse for Ollie to still be in your club. And they're not going to get a new manager because there's nobody there now. I think Ollie's going to be here until the end of the season. He'll hang on because they just can't get Ten Hag, Eric Ten Hag, and he won't leave Ajax. And he's the hot, he's you know the next one that people really want. They want to groom him, bring him into a bigger club. He probably yeah. deserves it. Uh, you're not going to get Eric Ten Hag. You're not going to get guys like Jesse Marsh. It's not going to happen. And you're not going to get Pochettino until maybe the end of the season. I don't think he's going to last at PSG. Um, And that would probably be a good fit for United, I think. But it's not going to happen now. And the thing is, they need help now. Before they slip to 
the middle of the table irrelevance because if they keep playing like this, they will. And they have hard games coming up. I think they play... I think they play in their next three, like... They have Watford, Villarreal, Chelsea, and Arsenal as their next four. Yeah, I mean, that's not that's not easy. Villarreal are a good team. They're in pretty pretty good form. Um, Watford, they should be able to beat. But Chelsea and Arsenal, both teams. Uh, Arsenal are surging, and United have had our number for the past while. But Chelsea, I mean, they're going to get fucking battered by Chelsea if Chelsea play the way that they can. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, United do a lot better on the road um, compared to home. I think it's almost like it's an away atmosphere at this point when United plays at home because the fans are so, they're just breathing down the players' necks. There's not as much encouragement as there is uh, disappointment and just anger Right. when something goes. I think the last thing I'll say about United here, and we can move on unless you have something else you want to add, but um, was Roy Keane on the Sky Sports when he was saying um, if Ali walked in this room right now, the first thing I would ask him would be, why are you starting Fred? Why? <laughs> I know. Well, it's because money's been mismanaged. And pa- he does, they don't like Pogba. Clearly, Pogba doesn't get along well, with the club. Um, well, he just got injured in training yeah, this week. So he's out eight to ten weeks now. Yeah, so he's done. So you're, you're stuck with Fred, McTominay, and Matic. Well, I don't think I don't think those three should be even in on this pay sheet. Like, what the fuck are any of them on there the hasn't, team for? There hasn't been enough capital invested into that position in no, the past they, five years. Because they're spending $100 million on Jaden Sancho, who literally can't even kick the ball. That's double they're looking, seven, they're, seven appearances, looking, zero goals, zero assists. They're, they're more worried about... It, this isn't. This probably isn't even in the manager. You can, I don't even know if you can put this on Ollie. Maybe it's more on the, the board than that. They're more worried about selling shirts and selling tickets rather than overall improving the team because yeah. if you want to win silverware, you're going to invest into a holding mid there, like a Conte. Not saying they're going to get Conte, but I'm saying like an Angolo Conte, a Wilfred Ndidi, a Yuri Tillemans. Well, that's like, who they need. Like those type of players that you know can do a great job defensively rather than a Ronaldo, a Sancho, a Varane that's going to sell shirts um, and sell tickets. I mean... Obviously, we know what Ronaldo's purchase did, but I think out of those three, I think Varane's was the best because it addressed a position that was in question. Yeah, and now, so, but he's not going to be able to. He just has. He'll be out until the end, the end of the year now. Yeah, and he's just been so health or so. Um, he's he's injury prone. So stricken with with injuries, and that's. I mean, that might be part of why they got him for so cheap. I, I know we've been we've been going on about United, but this team is in actual shambles. And when you look at it on paper, you would just not expect them to be letting up these re- or letting results like this come through. And and they continually do. I mean, they have a fraud problem. We we've said this many times for many it's years. Fairly talking about it so long because we both have them in our top four. And regrettably, I have them above Liverpool. Yeah, I have them finish in third and Liverpool fourth. So, and I, I don't, I mean, it's a long season. Obviously, you never know what can happen in January. People getting injured, um, left and right, or now with this, with COVID, somebody could get COVID and they're just out for the, the game, and yeah. you never know. So, it's a long season, but um, I don't think these problems are going to get addressed in any short term capacity. So, we can move on to the next game. Yep, Chelsea won. Burnley won. 
Oh, damn. this is a conventional FIFA game, man. I it mean, was. Really. It was. I mean, Chelsea had so many chances here. 25 shots, four on target with 70% possession. I mean, almost, almost triple the passes of Burnley. Two, so frustrating. 285 to 660. Not not almost triple, but definitely double and some change. Um, Man, I mean, Chelsea knocked the ball around so well. They look so good. Uh, just one. This was the first goal that Chelsea have conceded from open play the entire season, which I thought was an absolutely unbelievable stat. They have been stonewall back there. Really, really good. Um, and I don't think that it was necessarily a, a terrible, terrible performance from the Chelsea defense. I just think Vidra took a really nice chance here and, and, and put it away. Uh, great result for Burnley. I think Chelsea will come off of this one hoping or wishing that they would have gotten three points, but I'm sure that they'll have their heads down and, and just continue to, to keep knocking away. We saw Ross Barkley in this game. How about that? You saw a lot of guys that don't get, um, conventional minutes or playing time. I mean, obviously due to Lukaku and Werner being out and we're dealing with a couple injuries now up front. So you're seeing a different variety of guys up there. And I mean, Ross Barkley's a guy that could start in 15 teams in I this agree. league. Yeah, I think he absolutely could. And I you think. You saw Loftus Cheek in there. Yep. I mean, Hudson Adoy, who's for the past two years been linked with a Bayern Munich move. Like, yeah. there's quality in this team. And I mean, uh, happily, I'm, I'm happy to say we got Pulisic some minutes in this game. Yep. Um, obviously, not the most, but it's something to start. He had a chance at the end. He had a goal vard off. Eventually to get the winner. I, I, I don't know about that, but. Mount's in there now. Mount came back after some uh, getting his wisdom teeth out, I think. He had that out. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was a 10-minute span in there from the 75th minute to the 85th where Burnley started to get chances. And I think it was a well-worked goal. I'll give credit to him. But it was just a lapse, lapse of concentration from the midfield. They're not pressing down quickly on those, those um, long balls across. So um, credit to them. But I mean, we just needed to take our chances, man. There were three, four chances where we could have gotten in there. But Nick Pope, stood on his head like he's done in years past and this year not so much not so much uh you can tell in the in the league table but very frustrating and especially after a week where teams like united and liverpool are dropping points yeah. um just extending that lead and it's only a three-point margin right now which is basically a zero point margin with man city because you know they're gonna go on a run probably now so you need to be on your A game, especially this time of the year where the game congestion is intense. And this is the last international break until the end of January. So very important. Nobody gets hurt um, over this 10-day span um, just cause, because the, this time of the year is probably the most critical to winning the league, in my opinion. Yeah, it is. It's like the crunch time before crunch time. Um, this is when... I'd call it the witching hour of the Premier League season. If you guys watch yeah. Red Zone, you know uh, the witching hour is when wins turn to losses and losses turn to wins. And that's kind of what this area of the Premier League season is every year. Um, so I would, I'd would i have to agree there. Yeah, uh, kind of unlucky for Chelsea. Uh, good to see that they're rotating some players in here, not that they have a choice. Um, and I'll be curious to see if Chelsea change up the way that they're playing in terms of formation when we do see Timo and Lukaku uh, and Christian Pulisic back in um, in full uh, full swing. So we'll have to see, but uh, I'm sure PT has things uh, already planned out. Okay, we will move on to Crystal Palace 2, 
Wolves nil. Don't want to talk too much about this one. Wolf Zaha and Conor Gallagher are on the score sheet again. Wow, Palace are surging. They rise to 10th place, have 15 points, have not dropped points <clears throat> or have not lost in five now. Three draws and two wins on the bounce. A really, really good performance from them. Patrick Vieira has the boys buzzing. A fantastic performance. Uh, Zaha getting out, getting open early, earlier than usual. I mean, he typically just gets locked up the entire game, so it's been nice to see him get on the score sheet two games in a row. Uh, scored in the 61st, and then Connor Gallagher added one in the 78th. I just think that Palace are playing as a really, really strong, cohesive unit. Uh, and you haven't seen this in a very long time, but I think that they are threatening on the offensive end. Uh, you know, I was used to maybe some some counterattacking play from Welf. You got to see that every once in a while. But I just think that they have more constructed chances, and I think that they look better. Uh, and I actually thought Wolves would give him a game here, but Palace with a really convincing 2-0 win. Yeah, Crystal Palace have done really well as of lately. Um, their past five matches, they've gotten two wins and three draws, and even their last six, they've they've gone and unbeaten in their last six. So, great result for them. And this is the second week in a row where Zaha and Gallagher were both on the score sheet. Um, both of them are playing great right now. Wolves, on the other hand, really struggling in this game. Um, when we look at our pick'em for me and Evan. I broke down each team's record at, at the moment for how we do picking. Um, and like Wolves has been a good team for me. I've, I'm, I've gone nine and two picking Wolves games this season, which was shocking for, in my opinion. And then I'm three and eight with Palace and then Evans two and nine with Palace. And I've been gassing Palace up the last month or so, and I've still haven't been taking them. Um, I guess it just depends on who you play that week. It's like in the NFL, it's like whatever your schedule is, is what it is. And you have to pick with that. But, um, yeah, I mean, Palace really, I'm really happy to be wrong about Vieira at this point. They've done it. He's done a great job with the squad he has. He's brought in good players that have been working for him, um, obviously, with Gallagher here. And there's been contributions from other players brought in, too. And he's gotten the best out of players in the past that maybe we thought were over the hump of their careers. Ben Teke's done well. Um, Jordan Ayu plays a good part in that team. Um, Kuyate does, does a good job. He's been an underrated kind of holding mid, converted center back at times. So he's done a very nice job with the team. And I'm looking forward to see how they do in the future. Yeah, me too. I just think that, that Wolves are, or Palace are kind of on the up and up. And it's good to see. Uh, okay, we'll move on to Brentford 1, North City 2. North City get their first wow. three points of the season. Matthias, Who's no, all this coming? Yeah, nobody. I mean, I, I don't even want to... I'm just going to let you talk about this game. I I have nothing to say about it. I was so <laughs> ill watching it. <laughs> I was so sick. This was literally the only fucking thing I missed in like a $300 parlay. It was insane. Oh, wow. I, was pick, I picked games right, dude. I picked the right fucking score lines. Oh, you guessed the correct score. Yes. Wow. West Ham Liverpool, I had 3-2. And I had oh, and I had well, Ar- that must have been high. And I had Arsenal one nothing. Yeah, I know. Fucking AIDS. Welcome that's to my un- life. That's unbelievable, especially <laughs> after a week after the week you took them and they let you down. I know, dude. That's that's why I was so heavy on Brentford. I just took that's Brentford um one nil win and it didn't happen, but that's wild. But yeah, Norwich won this game in the first half. I mean, they came out hot. 
Um, Norman getting a goal, um, kind of the play, probably their player of the season in the middle of the park, done a nice job for them. Uh, and then Pookie on a penalty sealed the deal. And then after that, Norwich kind of sat in, didn't have as many chances. They gave up the ball, just let Brentford play with it. And then Brentford could have had the equalizer, but they only got the one from Rico Henry, who's a pretty nice wing back for them. Tooney had a couple chances, uh, seven on target, 19 overall, 65% possession. So um, Norwich gave Brentford the opportunities to get something, but uh, Norwich held firm and got their first win of the season. Um, and they're not the last team to get their first win. Newcastle are the only team now without a win, um, which is surprising. But um, yeah, I mean, great result for Norwich. Um, I think the storyline for me in my head is the downfall of Brentford. Like, what the fuck's been happening in the last couple of weeks? You're lo- you're you're competing great against top clubs, but you're absolutely struggling against bottom tier teams. Back to back weeks, you're losing to relegation zone teams. Like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. Is it is it due to a couple injuries? Uh, Christoph Ayer, their new center back from Celtic, is injured for a while. Uh, as well as their starting goalie in Raya. He's out until March, I think, now, um, going in for surgery for an injury. So maybe it's due to key players being out and them just not having depth. That's always a concern, especially in the Premier League. Um, Not as much for them because they only have to worry about the league and the FA Cup, really. It's not like they're a top side that's in Europe, uh, all these cups, and then also in, like, have their players go out for an international break. Um, Brentford probably has maybe two players go out for an international break, if I had to guess. Yeah, but, maybe, maybe even less. I don't know. I mean, it's ridiculous, but I don't really know. Brentford's a weird team, especially for you. If I'm going back to this pick 'em record, this is by far your worst team when you pick games. Yeah, they you are, fuck me every week. You are one in 10 picking Brentford imagine, games. Imagine, dude. I actually cannot imagine that. That's the worst record for any team for both of us my yeah. my worst is brighton i'm two and nine. Oh, okay well that's not much better but still that's fucking crazy dude that's insane that i'm one in ten that's wild fuck you brentford <laughs> uh can we move on yeah yeah yeah. all right we'll move on to the fucking seagulls dude brighton one uh, newcastle one leandro trossard scored a penalty in the 24th minute isaac hayden struck in the 66 to draw things level Newcastle stole this point. There was a red card in the 90th. Should have won the game. In stoppage time as well. Yeah, they should have. Um, but Robert Sanchez got himself a red in the 92nd. Wow. Uh, one shot on target for Newcastle, 34% possession. Brighton with the team with their foot on the on the gas for the pretty much the entire game. 14 shots, five on target. 66. And they pass circles around Newcastle. Newcastle looks so bad, dude. Um, I know. They don't have an identity. They have no identity whatsoever. Just yellow cards all over the place. Sloppy play. Really, really, they look really, really poorly here. Just awful. Um, Eddie Howe is the guy that's in charge, I guess. I mean, I don't know what the idea is of getting Eddie Howe, but I guess it's better than not having a coach at all. Um, I'm not necessarily sure what the philosophy is behind that, but... Newcastle steal a point. They they continue um, and you know are are still breathing somehow. I think that they'll be going down. It's going to be the richest Premiership club in the entire history of the game. Championship club. Championship. Sorry. Um. So it's going to be crazy to see. But I don't see them. I don't see them saving themselves and staying up. I really don't. 
I think Eddie Howe is a great fit for this team because of his long tenure with Bournemouth. When Bournemouth first came up, they were a similar side to how this Newcastle team is a lot of unknowns. Um, a younger Callum Wilson was on that team and did pretty well for himself. So he's reunited with his old gaffer. Um, he'll probably get the best out of him since he's very familiar with his style of play and how to use him. And I think he's great. He's got a great one-two punch with St. Max. I think it's going to come down to creating that identity in the next couple matches and just hoping to get a couple wins uh, before you get into that January transfer window, which Newcastle obviously has the money to spend and can give players big contracts that they normally wouldn't get um, at these big clubs. So they'll get top quality contract deals and start right away rather than have to battle their way into like a Chelsea or Man City or, or even an Arsenal at times. So I think that's one thing that Newcastle has going for them. But yeah, they just don't have an identity right now. They're the worst team when it comes to possession. Um, they rank dead last with 37% possession, which is awful. And they're the worst disciplined team. They have 30 yellow cards and one red card. So they're in a bad state right now. Eddie Howe needs to do big damage control and just figure out a short-term solution to get to January. So that's his mission. For Brighton, it's bad. That was terrible for them because they needed to win this game uh, after the last couple games they've had. Um, getting having gotten a win in the last five in the league, yeah. and I think that I think that Sanchez red card pretty much saved them the a point yeah, because yeah. if if he doesn't clip Wilson there, Wilson gets a nice little tap in for the win, which wouldn't would have been undeserved for Newcastle. But yeah. um, and I, I when Lewis Dunk went in that goal, I was like, no, was like, <laughs> Newcastle I have to win right now. Come on, guys, you got you got a field player in there. I don't remember the last time we saw a field player have it's to go in goal. It's been a long while. It's been crazy. I remember as a kid, I used to do it on FIFA. I used to slide tackle and then put a, a center back in in goal. It's always did fun. they did they not have a goalie on their bench? I guess is that not. why they did that. that uh, it I guess had to have been. It happens. I remember. Um, Ah, oh, was it Benucci or it was either Benucci or um No dude, you know what? It was Sergio Ramos. That was the last person I had seen do it. I'm pretty sure. Oh, well, I'll have to find the clip. I'll dial it they, up after the show. They did have the goalie on their bench, Jason Steele. Okay. He, oh Jason Steele was a in Sunderland till I die. Did you have you watched that show? No, I'm looking here. 2017, 18. He was there for one season. Yeah, I've seen clips of it. It's pretty intense. You it, should it's, watch it. It is a fucking it, unbelievable show. It's a major drama. I'll say that because of how Sunderland plays. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wish that it wasn't about Sunderland, but I forgot to ask you that on one of the last shows that we had. isn't that. A, what is that streamed on? It's on Netflix, and I'll tell you. Uh -oh. I mean, as somebody that enjoys the intricacies of the game, like you more so even than I. You would really, and your dad too. You guys would probably really like it. It's a, it's a very, very well made show. Ninety percent sure my dad's watched it. He probably has, yeah. Because I think, yeah, because I've seen the only time I probably saw clips was when he watched it. But that's definitely something I have to invest in. And that was probably when they were in the championship. I mean, they haven't it been was. in the Premier League for like over eight years now. Yep. Because that's one derby that was really huge when we were growing up. Was the, the Tyne? Was it the Tune? No. The Tyne Tyne Tyneside or Tyne Tyne something Derby. Yep. I mean, it's been so long; I don't even remember what it was called. Yeah, between them and Newcastle, those were always bloodbaths. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that pretty much ends what I have to say about those teams. Brighton's a weird team right now, obviously, by my record, two and nine, but um, you're not too bad with Newcastle. I think you're seven and four picking Newcastle games. Yeah. Fucking go. It's Tyne Ware Darby. Yeah. Way. Okay. We we're yeah. close. Yeah. I had no idea. Um, okay. How to Google that one? We'll move on to Everton nil, Tottenham nil. Jesus. Probably the worst game of the week, in my opinion. This was a slog. Um, what I took away from it was that Everton need Dominic Calvert-Lewin if they ever want to do anything at all. They can't do anything without him. Uh, Damari Gray's dried up a bit, and the midfield just looks sluggish without somebody on the end to to finish the balls that get played forward. Richarlison needs DCL, and the thing that I took away about Tottenham was that these guys are fucking lifeless. I mean, they need Conte to seriously kick their asses for the next three weeks. Like, kick their asses until they get into shape and get into the right mindset, or else Tottenham are going to finish in 14th position. They look fucking... I don't know about that. They look useless, dude. Their team's even worse than them. They look so useless. I, of course, I'm exaggerating, but what I the? Th- f- I, th- I think I think what you're saying is true, though. But I think he's in a similar spot to how, where I'm thinking Eddie Howe is. He's got to just manage to get to January and do an all right job to bring in his guys. He needs to bring in players of his own. A lot of these guys, the turnover rate on managers is so quick, and most of the time they're dealing with players that aren't even theirs. They don't yeah. even have enough time to bring in five or six guys of their own to with their own philosophy or with the manager's philosophy in their mind and that style that he likes. So he just needs to get to January with a couple big results. If he's floating around that sixth to eighth position area when he's in January, I think he's in a good spot. I will tell you exactly what they need and I'll tell you exactly what they're going to get because I know the kind of player that he buys. They need a controlling defensive midfielder. They need to get Frank Kessie from AC Milan. They need Mm. to get two center backs uh, because Ben Davis and Eric Dyer are should not be starting for Tottenham Hotspur. There's no right. way. I mean, I just don't. I've seen enough out of them. Are they serviceable players? Yeah, sure. They could probably start for um, some of the defenses, like their lowest depth position. Yeah, they need they need new guys. So either move these guys to the bench or move them on. But they're not cutting it. Uh, I think if you improve the defense, I think Emerson and Reguillon are both fine. Uh, I know a lot of people don't necessarily like Reguillon. I, I don't know what the, the reasoning behind that is. Uh, I think he's he's fine. He just hasn't had a ton to work with. But uh, Romero's okay as well. Of course, he came from Italy. And I think Paratici, uh, the director of football, and Conte working together, I just know that they're going to get the right guys in um, but but Conte needs to get these everybody on the same page right now uh, and get everybody running for 90 minutes because the effort levels have been very low at Tottenham Football Club for the past, I don't know, 10 weeks now at this point. Yeah, I mean, if you're, I'm looking here back to the, the his first season in the Premier League when he won the, the league with Chelsea. I mean, his back three was Terry, Cahill, and David Luiz. And then his wingbacks, he had Alonso and Aspie. 
that's a solid back five. Those guys work hard. A great leader, obviously, in John Terry. He's a generational player. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if he's going to be able to find that, just a straight-up leader. Nah, probably not, but... He he had Courtois in goal. I think he has something similar there with Lloris. I'm sure you've had your opinion thinking he's overrated at times. Yeah, but, but he's I think okay. He's, he's serviceable. Mm-hmm. And then you, when uh, Matic was in his prime with N'Golo Conte, and then you throw Fabregas in there, too. Uh, you have Hazard and Willian on the wings. So if you think Sun can do a job for Willian or Hazard good. there. Yeah. And and then his main guy up front was Diego Costa, which I think Harry Kane's better, but Diego Costa just emotionally brings so much energy to that team and he's he plays that villain role, but it also makes he, you want to play even harder. He did, yeah. <laughs> he's still alive. <laughs> That's a shame. I uh, yeah, hated that guy. His his Wikipedia doesn't have a day of death, so that's soon, hopefully. But I mean, I I think if he can bring in two to three guys in January and maybe move Harry Kane, I think he could do something. Apparently, Kane is signed on. He's on the Conte train. He's happy that they have a new manager and he's all aboard. That was the that was the news out last week. So we'll see. Oh. I'll see. I'll 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 get on that train when he starts scoring. Yeah. Yes, me too. I am one hundred percent with you. We know my thoughts on Harry Kane. Okay, uh, let's move on. This was shit for Everton, by the way. They need to get DCL back, or else they're they're bound to continue to fail. Okay, yeah, falling. Leeds United one, Leicester City one. This game could have been four four. Yes, it could have been. Uh, Leeds share the points with Leicester. Rafinha. Scored in the 26th, Harvey Barnes in the 28th. So many chances for Leeds. This was the Leeds that I remember from last season that was just galloping, buccaneering all over the pitch, ready to rock and roll. Daniel James got the start all the way up top. Rafinha, Rodrigo, Jack Harrison behind him. Uh, Harrison Barnes, Vardy, and Adamola Lookman were the front three for Leicester. Wow, this was such a weird game. It was uh, a strong defensive midfield for Leicester that didn't necessarily look all that strong. Uh, defensively, I think Leicester are suspect in recent weeks. I think they kind of got away with this one. I absolutely agree with that. I think Leeds early on were controlling the game very well. A lot of early chances. The first goal coming from Rafinha off, straight off a free kick. Um, he scored a similar goal like this, not from a free kick, but open play, but it was the same kind of goal where it was a whipped ball in from the far side. The goalie thought it was going to get flicked on and just dribbles into the goal. Um, and it was great, but the problem was literally straight from kickoff, Leicester play a long ball over the top, skims over Dallas's head, Harvey Barnes with a moment of magic, cuts inside, curls at top corner from the <laughs> top of the box. Um, and that was, the, that was the day from scoring, but it could, like I said, it could have been 4-4. Chances were flying all over the place. Uh, VAR ruled Lookman's goal offsides. A um, couple balls off the post. Great saves from goalies. It was insane. It was a it was a good watch. It was like a typical Leeds game from last season without all the goals. Um, but yeah, Leicester is a very weak team in the back. They've had their problems um, with 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 um, with with health. They haven't been the healthiest, but now they have guys back with Evans um, getting form. Um, Castagna's kind of he had a great start when he came to the league last year, but now it's kind of fizzled out. And then Ricardo, nothing special there. So that's where their weakness is. Uh, Vardy was pretty cold in this game, as well as um, Rodrigo for Leeds, those main guys up front. 
Rafinha is the main guy for Leeds, in my opinion. He's the guy that's creating the most chances and scoring most of their goals. Um, whereas Leicester's side, it's Vardy, but Vardy didn't get anything this game. So um, I don't know how you feel about Leeds. Is this like a turn, like a moment that maybe Leeds is turning back into their old selves, or is this just like a blip? I think it's kind of a blip on the radar. Let's have another couple of weeks where we get this from them, and then I'll be willing to hear that. But Leeds, I mean... We've seen a lot more bad than good from them this season, so I'd like to see some more good, and then we can have the conversation. But I would like to see them get back to that point. I like Leeds. <clears throat> okay, shall we move on? Yeah, your game. Uh, Emil Smith-Rowe FC won. Watford nil. Arsenal somehow have continued this run of form. I mean, these guys continue week in, week out. Look like a... Straight. What's that? That's an eight straight unbeaten. Eight straight. Crazy. I mean, crazy, crazy stuff. And a lot of them are wins. So uh, just a dominant performance from Arsenal here. I think this probably should have been 3-0 uh, if we're being serious. Uh, Aubameyang missed a penalty. He's been a fraud, to be honest. His last two from what I saw. Yeah, so we need a new penalty taker, if you ask me. Um, Smith Rowe. Or, yeah, I mean, give it to Smith Rowe. The guy is so clinical. He scored three straight games. Yeah. He got his first England call up. Yep. He's he's on top of the world. Uh, I feel so, so happy for him. Um, and then Aubameyang also stole a goal from Martin Odegaard by tapping in, uh, and it got Vard offside. That goal would have, that, that shot would have gone in, and it would have been a really, really nice goal, too. Um and there was a moment at the end when Watford could have equalized Ramsdale coming for a ball at the oh, edge of the 18 on the side like what are you thinking that was one of the only times he had to do anything in the entire game and I think that's part of why he did that I think he was a yeah. little hungry and I think he wasn't so sharp um just because he he hadn't been tested hardly at, at all uh the back line looked great Nuno Tavares again just really plunging forward getting involved he looks fantastic Gabriel looked good Ben White looked good and Tomiyasu is just one of the most solid defenders that we could have asked for uh I've been super happy with the way that he's played he slotted right in he's been he's just been a stud and it's consistency like that's all I want from an Arsenal defense is fucking consistency not consistently losing the ball and making blunders and mistakes like we've had for so long uh, I finally feel comfy with this back line. When was the last time you guys had a first-team player from Asia? Oh, I don't even know if I could name you that. I was thinking, like, I can't think of anybody. I don't know. I don't know if Arsenal have ever had a, a first-team player from Asia. Truly. It's it's rare that you... There's not a lot of Asian players in, in the Prem anyway, you know? I can only name, like, three off the top of my head. There's... Sun, Tamiyasu... Um, any Russians? Oh, no, that's oh, your. Oh, Wang Hee Chen. He's Korean. Yeah, yeah, very few. Not many at all. Um, I'll have to look it up, but I'll let you. I'm gonna turn it over to you. Uh, just after I say again, Smith Rowe looks really, really good. Um, this year he's shooting the ball a little more. Last year he was trying to facilitate a little bit more, and he's still passing the ball extremely well. He plays really just so solid in the, in the final third, uh, but he's been jumping on loose balls and really just firing them home, and that's been the difference. He's got three in his last three, and I hope that he can continue this form, keep it up. I just, you know, I don't think we're going to get to really see him play in this England call-up, um, but it'd be nice. And, 
part of me thinks it'd be nice. Part of me doesn't want him to even see the pitch because I want him to be healthy for <laughs> for when the international breaks over. Uh, but yeah, uh, this was this was a great performance from him. Maitland Isles looked okay. This was his first start all season, and then Samby continually um, has impressed me. I just think he's he's really solid in the middle of the park. What do you think about this one? Anything? It was a very chippy game. There were eight yellow cards. Yep. Two, uh, two of those going to Kuka, who eventually got a red with the two yellows. So from straight from there, it was a pretty slow paced game at times. Um, like I said earlier, King could have equalized it late on, but missed that open goal, missed it wide. Uh, Smith Rowe, like you said, had a great game. He's in great form. Saka, the other man, um, on the other side could have had a goal, but it was also VAR ruled off. And then, like we were talking about, Aubameyang's really struggling right now to get in the score sheet there for them. Um, mentally not, not staying firm on the free kit or on the penalty, I should say. But, um, yeah, nothing really crazy. I mean, Watford could have gotten something, but they didn't. So now they're in that relegation battle where Arsenal are in the polar opposite end where um, they're fighting now for a top four spot where they don't really have to worry about um, fitness as much because they're, they don't have to worry about playing in Europe during the week. So that's one thing going for them that they can really take on and Mikel can put as a bulletin board material. Yes, Watford are indeed in the mud. Uh, okay, final game before we get into... Man, this is going to be a long fucking episode. Uh, final yeah. game, which was an unbelievable one. We had West Ham 3, Liverpool 2. Pick this one right, dude. I knew. West Ham. David Moyes, it's his nemesis. He always fails against Liverpool. I had a strange feeling that this was the time that they would go and do it. Allison Becker... What an own goal, my friend. In the fourth minute, we had an unfortunate mishap, um, and the ball was turned into Liverpool's own net. Trent Alexander-Arnold equalized with a fantastic free. Pablo Fornals won in the 67th. Kurt Zuma, ex-Chelsea legend, uh, scored in the 74th. And then Divock Origi, who can score with literally any part of his body when it is needed most. Turned one into the West Ham goal in the 83rd. But West Ham escaped. This game was so scrappy and so fun to watch. West Ham got away with fucking murder here. They had 30% possession. Only three shots on target. All three went in. This was a crazy game. But again, it speaks to the way that West Ham play as a team. Ogbana is going to be out for... I would imagine the rest of the season. I'm pretty sure he has ACL damage. So he's done. Which that's that's a huge hit. Um, like a really, really gigantic problem. Um, but as a team, West Ham are just so sharp. And the Liverpool defense, I have some questions about. I'll be honest. That was my takeaway. I have some serious questions about them. We know they can score, but can they stop others from scoring? I don't know. It's kind of remained to be seen. They they have looked shaky at certain points in this season. I think they need to shore it up or else we could be looking at a potential problem. What do you think? I don't think the defense is too big of a problem. I think they just play such a high line Yeah. that West Ham, when they have the organization to be able to link two passes and then play that through ball and have the pace of Mikel, who can compete against Van Dyke there to win a ball because he's physically there, and then Fornals and all those guys as well with the pace. I think that worked in their benefit because they worked so well together that they got they got the better of that back line playing so high. Um, 
not a lot of teams can do that because there's so there's so much pressure on them um, in the defensive third. They have to worry about Salah and Mane and that. And uh, most of the times those chances go in. Liverpool could have gotten a draw here. Mane at the end as well as another chance maybe uh, also for Mane. But um, it went in their favor. Um, I thought the Origi goal was funny because as the game was going on before the goal went in, my dad and I were watching where talking about Origi and how he's probably scored the most important goals in the club's history in the last 30 years, the Champions League final, as well as, um, well, both Champions League games, the semi and the final. Uh, And right after that, he scored, which was hilarious. But um, yeah, I mean, let me say that on the Allison own goal, do you think it was a foul? Yeah, maybe. Um, I had a thought, but I'm not sure. I mean... It's hard to nitpick these things, you know. Yeah, it's just a judgment call, and like yeah. you have somebody has to make it, and they VAR'd it obviously. So there were multiple, there were multiple thoughts on it, and two obviously the main ref and then the VAR VAR ref had their opinions, and they decided it was okay. So it's whatever, and it, it added to the over if you're in the overs club, and it added it made it that the game that much more interesting with such an early goal. Yep. Um, I thought Trent's free kick made everybody remember like how actually good he is when it comes to set pieces. Um, Salah's the easiest assist of his career, uh, just setting the ball up for him there. Yep. Um, and yeah, I think West Ham getting a win here is huge. I don't think you have to think too much into the loss for Liverpool. I think that's going to happen from time to time. They're going to get caught out playing such a high line. Yeah. And both of those wingbacks are in the attack so you only have two guys back there and if you really want to be honest man dyke's not the fastest short distance i mean short dense distance maybe but if you have to get in a full 50 yard sprint and he's going up against like the fastest guys i don't think he's gonna win them he's gonna have to foul them so and you, you can't really have that much confidence in matt tip next to him maybe gomez we haven't even seen gomez that much this year so I don't know. Um, it's interesting. I'm happy West Ham won this game. It shows that Liverpool's not is um, is human. That was their first loss of the season, actually, uh, in the Premier League. So nobody's going to have an un- invincible run anymore. Um, so that saves Arsenal there. Uh, I'm sure Evan's happy about that. I am. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can't really say anything else. I think Declan Rice, last thing I'll say, is probably the most impressive player on the team. I think he leads like five or six defensive categories in the league this year, um, which is incredible. And I mean, it's, it's crazy how West Ham have kept him. Um, it shows how loyal he is to the club and, um, and all that. So that's one thing that they have going for him. And now that they have Ogbonna injured, this is what we were talking about that might hold them back this year doing well in the league is what happens when one or two guys get hurt. So Yep. Um, it starts now to see if they're if they have the guys to step up and take a spot. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, shall we move on to your progress reports? Yes. Yeah, we can make it quick since we talk so much about everything. Well, so... here, here's the other question: Do we want it? Would you rather do it next week? Because yeah, we'll we have can... more actual time because there won't be games to recap. Yeah, we can start off with our progress reports and then get into like a preview. That sounds good. Because I think that's gonna that the progress report I'm very excited yeah, it'll take to do. Forever. I think it'll that's take. I think it's gonna be really fun and very cool. Um, but I do think that it's 
Like we should give it its due time because it's going to be a, a complicated process, I think. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I do want to say this about the international break. This Friday we have U.S. Mexico. Yep. Uh, in Cincinnati, that's huge. Um, only two matches. I said earlier for all these all the regions. So the U.S. will play Mexico Friday, and then they'll have a match on Tuesday against Jamaica, who they should beat. Um, crucial time right here because the next break isn't until the end of January. So there's a lot of time in between there. Uh, and we need to be in a good spot here. If we beat U.S., if we beat the U.S., if we beat Mexico here, we'll be in first place. Um, and the, the Jamaica win will only be that much better. So we have good matches there in the CONCACAF in the South American region. We have Brazil playing Argentina this this round. Um, both teams are already through. Obviously, they have a like an 8 to 12 point gap between uh, them, them in third place. Yep. So they don't have anything to worry about. I'm not sure how uh, how many teams qualify from South America. I'm sure it's the top. There's 10 teams. I think it's the top four, and fifth is like a playoff team. I'm not sure if you know. I, but, I honestly um, don't. I have no but, idea. But from third place to eighth place, <clears throat> all right, I can even count ninth. Third to ninth is only separated by six points. So this is huge for all those teams in the middle. Um, and then in Europe, there's nothing crazy going on. A lot of the teams have already qualified. Uh, the one match I'm interested to see the turnout is uh, Evan's favorite matchup, Spain-Sweden on oh, Sunday. yes. Um, Sweden's gotten the better of Spain recently in the Euro- in the Euros, as well as um, when else did they play? World Cup I think- 2018, I thought. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yep, there too. So Sweden's had Spain's number recently in the past four years, and I'll be interested to see how this qualifier turns out. Yes, Sweden is currently at the top of that group, I believe. Uh, they actually are, yeah. Whoever wins will jump to first. 15 points, so they need to win that one and, and make sure. They have the same form as, as Spain. Um, in their last five, they're both four and one. So interesting. Yeah, I'm very excited. I can't believe, I mean, we were talking about, I was talking about the World Cup with a buddy um, the other day. This, this is the Winter World Cup. You know that, right? Yeah, it is. It's we'll crazy. Qualifier, qualifiers will end in March, and then we'll have a, uh, an eight-month lull until November when it starts. Uh, just about this time of the year maybe uh i think it's, it's eight weeks it would be eight days from today it uh, starts the 18th it's a thanksgiving period to the oh no matt is doing that thing again where i lost you last time no what's happening i can't hear him Oh, ladies and gentlemen, I think that's it. I'm pretty sure that we're going to have to close the episode there. I have lost Matt. We have lost connection. Uh, Discord has failed us again. We're right at an hour. I should have just known that it was going to do this to us. Um, Matt, if he wants to talk more about the international break, I would imagine that he will upload you a special little something. Um as like a little separate part. Um, yes, I can hardly hear you right now. It's so glitchy. I'm sorry that you guys are listening to this. I'm just far too lazy to edit things out. So uh, Matt is done. He says, just close. I'm out. Um, thank you guys for listening. Sorry so much about that little thing. It's not us. I promise it's discord. Um, and I don't feel like editing all of that out because that's about a minute of just like 
Yeah, 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 yeah. So fuck it. You'll listen to it. Um, that's it. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure you go check out the NFL show. Um, make sure you're keeping up with us on social media at Post 20 Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And make sure you check us out uh, where all podcasts can be found. Matt says Lions plus nine. That's his pick of the week. I love it. Um, so yeah, we'll see you guys. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks again for listening. I appreciate it. And we'll catch you later. All right. Take care.